Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. We are delighted to have you with us here this morning. The old hymn says, Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, He died on Calvary. But all mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. And there it was my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad this morning for Calvary? Amen. Glad for that mercy that flows freely to us from Calvary. Praise the Lord. Again, I welcome each of you here to High Point Church this morning. We're delighted that you have chosen to worship with us here. And uh, I know the Lord is blessing in a very special way, and if you just allow Him, He will continue to bless you throughout the remainder of this service this morning and beyond. Amen? Amen. We are delighted to have our pal, Brother Bill Barta, back here with us in service. And after having hip replacement and surgery and going through all that that pertained to, we're delighted to see Him and have Him back here in service with us this morning. And for our first-time guest. We extend to you a very special and a warm welcome, inviting you to just make yourself right at home here at High Point Church and uh, just allow the Lord to bless you and, and uh, uh, bless your hearts here today throughout this service. And again, it's good to see Sherry and Dean Goldsberry here with us this morning. And uh, he was telling me before church, this is a heat wave for them. This cold spell we're having is a heat wave for them. And I thought about that yesterday. Uh, it was 50-some, and I was uh, involved in a company function yesterday, and, and uh, it was kind of wind was blowing, and it was chilly, and I thought, you know, back in the day when I was young and lived up there, somewhere that, anyway, that we'd have thought this is a heat spell. We'd have, this is a heat wave. We'd have been getting the motorcycles out and the boats ready for the water and all that kind of stuff when it turned 50 degrees. But uh, to us, it's, uh, it's cold. But we're... We're glad for the goodness and graciousness of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I invite your attention this morning to Genesis chapter 37. If you will stand one more time in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. Amen. Everybody say this with me. Joseph had a dream. Joseph. Had a dream. Amen. Reading from Genesis chapter 37, we'll read verses 3, 4, and the first line of verse 5 in your hearing. The Bible says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. That just proves that us older folks should not be having kids. Uh, I jest, okay. <laughs> also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. Everybody say it with me one more time. Joseph had a dream. Let's bow our heads together. In prayer. Precious loving Savior, I thank you again this morning for your presence, for your power that is being manifested here among your people. 
Lord, as we come to this portion of the service, the ministry and preaching of your word, I pray that you'll not only anoint each one in this room this morning to receive and to hear and to internalize your word, but on my behalf, I pray that you'll use me today as a vessel and an instrument for your glory. Speak through these lips. Help me to be transparent before you and this congregation that what is said here this morning will come from you and you alone. For, Lord, it's only your words that really matter when it's all said and done. I pray that you'll anoint and bless in a mighty way, and we'll give you the praise and thanks for it all. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask it. And everyone said amen. Amen. Look at someone close by you, shake their hand, and tell them, Joseph had a dream. You may be seated. From time to time, as or those of us now are old enough to understand that we are encouraged to dream. And by dream, I'm referring to setting goals and ambitions. I'm not talking about because you ate something the night before that didn't settle too well. Things in life that we believe we will and can accomplish. I don't know about you, but for the most part, when I was a youngster, I was... It was instilled in me not only in, with, from my parents, but from, in school that uh, set goals, set ambitions, set dreams. Have a, have a direction for your life. Have some things in mind that you want to accomplish, things that you love and things that you aspire to do. I so often heard my mother say to all of us children, and there was quite a number of us, you can be and accomplish whatever you set your mind to do. My mother thought her children could do anything and accomplish anything. And she let us know she felt that way. Oftentimes, our parents had in mind what they felt was our purpose and destiny in life. You know, they thought there were certain avenues that we should go down and certain things that we should prep for and we should do in our lives to accomplish what they thought would probably be our ultimate goal. And when, in fact, when it was, you know, it was God's purpose for us to do something totally different. Amen. But when it's all said and done, it's the dream and the purpose that God has for us that really matters and makes life all that it can be. We can accomplish great things in this life, but it's only when we accomplish and we set our hearts to do the purpose of God and what He has for us that really makes life all that life should be. Amen. Amen. The term purpose and dream and vision, if you will, are oftentimes interchangeable based on the context in which those words are framed. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. And as we look into this idea this morning, and I use the fact that Joseph had a dream, that uh, there's three stages to fulfilling your purpose. And how many of you believe and understand that every individual has a purpose? No one's an accident. Your, your place in life is not an accident. You have a purpose, and God has something in mind for you. There are basically three stages, if you will, to the completion and the fulfillment of your purpose. There's the first stage, which is, first, you must find your purpose. Amen? The second thing is, you must follow your purpose. It doesn't do any good to find it if you don't follow it. Amen? And the third thing is, you must fulfill it, because it doesn't do a bit of good to find it, follow it, and if you do not, fulfill it. Because it's only he that runs the race to the finish line is the one that wins the prize. Amen. I could get out here and run a 10K and run the faster, faster than anyone else up until the last mile. 
and fall short of the last mile, and I won't win the prize. Amen? The Hebrew word for how to dream means to bind firmly. You see, Joseph became firmly bound up in the dream that God had given him. And I emphasize the fact that God had given him the dream. You see, dreams that are from God are spiritual experiences that root deep in our hearts, never to be forgotten. Amen. Joseph had a dream. But perhaps we could more accurately clarify that and say that the dream had Joseph. It had encapsulated and captured him. Amen. The dream had Joseph, much like the ministry and the purpose and dream of preaching and ministering the Word has somehow it captured me. The dream had captured Joseph. Amen. You see, I say that because the dream sustained him through all that happened to him over those many years. It was that dream that sustained him. Like Moses, he endured as seeing him who is invisible, as the apostle wrote. You see, the dream must sustain us. Amen. The dream must sustain us. It's the dream, it's the vision, it's the aspiration of preaching God's Word and the life-transforming power that it has that sustains me. Amen. I want you to notice two important things about your purpose. As we launch into 2011 here, well, I want you to really kind of envision and wrap your mind around this idea that we have a purpose, we have a vision, and we have a dream, not only from an individual perspective, but from a collective perspective. Amen? Amen. Helping you reach the high point of your walk with Christ. That's what we are all about. Amen. Leading individuals to Jesus Christ and helping them reach their maximum potential and their highest purpose and point in their walk with Jesus Christ. So first of all, there's two important things that we must understand and things about dreams and visions. First of all, your purpose and dream must come from God. Amen. You see, there's a difference between setting your own goals and having a God-given purpose and a dream to fulfill. We all started out with goals, right? I still set goals today. I'm very much a goal-oriented individual when it comes to management. There's short-term goals, intermediate goals, there's long-term goals, and so forth throughout this process. And I know and believe that everyone was born with a purpose. And everyone said amen. amen. And when your purpose or your dream or vision is of God, it was Habakkuk said, it will surely come to pass. Amen. And when our dream is from God, we don't have to orchestrate events. And everyone said, Amen. God will provide the resources and the open doors at the right time. In fact, your steps will be directed and ordered by the Lord Himself. Amen? Because here's a very interesting scripture that was penned by the wise man in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 that says, But time and chance happen to them all, for man also does not know his time. You see, God will reveal to you your divine purpose and destiny and give you an opportunity to fulfill it. 
Amen. He gives us all that opportunity. Now the choice is ours whether we accept that opportunity or whether we reject it. But the fact of the matter is you can't resist it. You can't postpone it or give life or, or, or give your life to other things and end up missing your time and your chance. Hear me now. We cannot afford to miss our time and our chance. I believe that God orchestrates things in such a way that we come to chance, we come to times and purposes in a lifetime that we will never have that opportunity again. We have come to a point in time and a purpose and a stage here in the life collectively at High Point Church that we will never come this crossroad again. We won't go like this. Amen. Amen. So let's not get caught in that net or trap and that snare and forfeit what God has for us here individually and collectively. Amen? The second thing is your purpose and dream and vision will be connected to a certain field. Now here's what I mean by that. Joseph's dream started in the field of wheat. Yeah. So the question to ponder is what's your field? Whether God calls you to find to the field of medicine, or whether it's education, or whether it's finance, or whether it's real estate, or it's some other field, it's always to be a blessing. Wherever we're at, wherever we're involved with, it's always to be a blessing. You see, ministry can be in many other areas besides from behind this pulpit. Amen. We need to get that mindset. Ministry can be from all other areas other than from behind this pulpit. Don't seek fame and just seek to serve others. That's ministry. Amen? And if you do, your impact will be greater than your image and your eternal reward greater than anything you can drive, anything you can wear, anything you can live in, or anything you can hang on the wall. Amen. Amen. We must find our dream. We must find our purpose. We must find our vision. Jesus said to Pilate, that infamous day as they were standing there, and Pilate seemingly determined to let Jesus go and to release him. Jesus responded to him. He said to him, Jesus, or, <clears throat> Pilate had asked the question, are you the king? Are, are you the king? And, and Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. You see, when we know why we're here and what our God-given purpose is, we'll have all the momentum that we need. Amen? We won't always get it right, but we will always have the power to overcome each obstacle as we proceed in God's purpose. And if we get turned around, believe it or not, God loves us enough to get our attention, correct us, and redirect us, and get us back on the right track. He's had to get me back on the right track a few times in life. I know that may be hard for you to believe, but he has had to. Amen? So what is the Lord Jesus saying to you today? It's not too late to find your purpose and dream and vision for 2011 and follow it now. Amen? 
We must follow our dream and our vision, not only individually, but collectively as a church. You see, it's important to note that the Apostle Paul was on a mission. So the thing of it is, he traveled light. He practiced personal discipline. He avoided distractions and kept his eye on the ball. Amen. In fact, he said this writing to the Philippian church. He said, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see, he didn't get caught up and all lost in the things behind. He recognized the mistakes he had made. He recognized the fallacies of some of those things. But he laid those behind, looked forward. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We must look forward. We must press ahead. As most of you no doubt know, successful companies live by a mission statement. A mission statement that every team member can understand. Most of them are very simple statements. And they keep that mission statement before them at all times. Keeping that fresh in their mind. Understanding their purpose and their mission. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2, Write the vision and make it plain that he may run who reads it. We must understand our purpose and our mission. Amen. We must understand what it's all about. I happened to drive by. I'll throw this in. I happened to drive by a church yesterday afternoon late and out on their big marquee and had this real nice lion marquee that would display photos and so forth. And there on the marquee as I drove by, just happened to catch my eye, there was a big, huge picture of the pastor and his name on it, come out and hear Pastor so-and-so. And that startled me for a moment. Because that's not what it's about. The reality that we must understand our purpose and our mission. This isn't about me. It's not about you individually. It's about Jesus Christ and what He's going to do and what He wants to do in this generation. Now, I understand their purpose and their intent, what they were trying to do, but it's just one of those things that kind of caught me off guard for a moment because I recognize that we must understand that our purpose is not about... Uh, uh, you know, emphasizing the importance of the, of the, of the, the ability of the pastor to speak, but it's about what is Jesus Christ doing? Uh, more preferably, I'd want to see on there, come by and visit us. Jesus is in the house. Amen. I think you got the point. Right division, make it plain. Read it regularly. Remember all the times. Remember it all times and run with it. You see, our greatest enemy isn't the opposition. Listen to me now. If you forget everything else I said this morning, don't forget this. Our greatest enemy is not the opposition. It's the distractions. Have you ever heard, heard of, of the story of the white elephant? Well, let me share this with you. So the story goes, and so the legend goes, that when the king of Siam wanted to destroy an enemy, he supposedly gave them a white elephant. Now in those days, a white elephant or white elephants were considered sacred, and nobody dared refuse the king's gift. You couldn't work them. You couldn't use them for anything. They were sacred. 
you didn't, you didn't mess with them. All you did was feed them and protect them. So, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, they couldn't be put to work, they had to be fed, and they ate, they eat a lot. Right? So the king's gift ended up causing his enemies downfall. It was a distraction. Guard against the white elephants that drain our time and our energy and our resources. In order to protect our purpose and dream and vision, we must live by these words penned by the apostle, lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Amen. We must follow the purpose and the dream and the vision that God has given to us. I noticed that five times in Genesis chapter 39 we read, But the Lord was with Joseph. So my friends, we must be encouraged. God is at work in spite of what you or I are going through right now. Amen? God is at work regardless of what we are going through. You may be facing tough times. You may be in time of indecision. You may be a time of turmoil. But God is at work in spite of everything that's going on in the world. And if you watch very long what's going on in the world, it will depress you. It will discourage you. But God is at work in spite of everything. Amen. So where did Joseph get his wisdom to lead a nation? By dealing with his own family problems, by handling Potiphar's household and staff, and by running a prison system. He learned. Amen. Like rungs on the proverbial ladder, each one took him closer to the top. Now, I want you to notice as well how it worked. His brothers sold him to an Ishmaelite slave traders. Well, that don't sound like a dream, very good dream. Who sold him to Potiphar? And the dream's getting worse. Who put him in prison and now he's really gone to the bottom? Where he met the butler. Who introduced him to Pharaoh... Who made him, now we're heading up, now who made him prime minister of Egypt, fulfilling his dreams. Was it easy? I don't think so. Whew, what a road to have to travel. To have your own brothers betray you, sell you to a caravan of slave traders. Then the slave traders go down and say to this guy named Potiphar in Egypt, who you don't know and have no idea who he is or his background. And you end up, because of his wife and her shenanigans, you end up in prison, unjustly accused. And then from there you end up, finally, you, Butler, come, you, you men know the story. What a road to go and travel to finally fulfill your dream and purpose, Prime Minister of Egypt, all to preserve God's people. 
you see our vision will be tried. The psalmist said regarding the story of Joseph, until the time came, until the time came, the word of the Lord tried him. Amen. Read that in Psalms 105 sometime. You see, our vision will be tried by situations that either will make us or break us. In fact, one writer describes this process as the birth of the vision, the death of the vision, and the resurrection of the vision. Amen? When we go, when we've no funds, when we've no friends, and no, and no fight left in us, that's typically the death stage. Remember the words of Jesus. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Amen? You see, when our vision dies and God resurrects it, we begin to talk and act just a little bit differently. And with ego subtracted and grace added, we start saying with the psalmist, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? It's perhaps at that point that God smiles and says to you and I in the moments of silence before Him, you're finally getting it right. You finally got the message. Amen? We must fulfill our purpose and our dream and our vision. Now here's the thing. When our purpose and dreams come from God and we commit to them, they will surely be fulfilled. Oh, I know we're going to stumble from time to time. We're going to be stretched to our limits. And maybe we're even going to stagger across the finish line. But we'll make it. Amen. We'll make it. As I recently run half marathon, there were folks I watched come across the finish line after. I didn't, I didn't do as well as I wanted to, but I watched folks come across the line, and they just barely could just drag themselves across the finish line. And sometimes we'll find ourselves in that place where we just, if we, we just can stagger across. We'll, but we'll make it. We'll get to the promised land. Consider Moses for just a moment. I, I, I love this. When I, I got to thinking about this and begin to put the words together and, and really uh, comprehend it. Moses he, he was he was a, a, a he had mixed mixed characteristics. He had the message to deliver Israel from Pharaoh. He was a poor speaker. He had marriage problems. He is a soul trader who had to reach his breaking point before he learned to delegate responsibility to others. Amen. He had a problem with his temper. And as a result, God said to him, you see, the only difference between Moses going to the promised land and him not going to the promised land was the, was the fact that he smoked the rock. God told him to speak to it, and he grew anger, he smote it. He didn't get to go. God said, because of that, you're not going to go. He said, you'll see the promised land, but you won't get there. But now wait a minute. Don't forget him yet. 
Moses did finally make it to the promised land. But wait a minute. He was buried. He died. You remember the fight over the body of Moses between Satan and the angel? Moses did finally make it to the promised land. 1,400 years after the fact, he stood with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration right in the middle of it all. Well, he made it to the promised land eventually. And perhaps you're thinking, well, I failed so badly, but let me remind you that King David committed adultery, yet in, in his psalms still brings strength to multitudes. And he's quoted in pulpits around the world. God didn't excuse David. He forgave him and used him. In fact, the Bible says David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, was buried. The Bible describes God as ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness. Amen? Amen. Notice the words, my friend, ready to pardon. God is ready when we are, and all we have to do is turn to Him. I'm reminded of what He told Israel, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will forgive them. I will heal their land. Amen? Before Habakkuk wrote about his vision, he said, I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. You see, corrected but not discarded. Isn't that wonderful? We get corrected from time to time but not discarded. You see, that's how grace really works. Amen. Amen. I close with these final thoughts here this morning as we wrap this idea up about having a dream and purpose. We have a purpose for 2011. God has not called us here and gathered the people together that he has without something in mind. Amen? There's an interesting picture in Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. I read this from the New Living Translation. It says this, a shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will, will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. So will it be. Now, I read that that way and using that translation to bring this picture to the forefront. Picture Satan as the lion, or as that lion, you as the lamb, Jesus as that shepherd coming to pick up what's left of you, and watch how God brings victory out of the jaws of defeat. I'm here to tell you, God will bring victory out of the jaws of defeat. Maybe I should preach a while right here. God will bring victory out of the jaws of defeat. Don't you ever think that it's over. Because it's not over till you take your last breath and God says then it's over. Amen? 
As long as there's breath of life, there's hope. And as long as there's breath of life, you have something to do for the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I ask, has life torn your dream to pieces? It oftentimes does. But with Jesus Christ, you only need two things to come back. Just two. One, an ear to hear. An ear to hear. Amen? So stop listening to the voices that have so long discouraged you. Those voices that said, ah, it's over. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus Christ anymore. No one's really interested in living for... I beg to differ. Amen. Don't, no longer listen to those voices that discourage you from doing You're really not capable. You know, uh, you really don't have what it takes. You don't have the ability. You're not a good speaker. You're not a good musician. You're not this. You're not that. You're, you know, you're not a good... But don't listen to those voices anymore. Because with Jesus Christ, you only need two things. I'm here to hear. You see, it's not over until God says it's over. God told Ezekiel. And there's Ezekiel standing there before a valley of all these relic bones. What a hopeless and desperate sight that no doubt was. Here he is before all of them bones, and God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to them bones. Now, I'm a preacher, and I can just kind of just envision what it must have stood like, it must have felt like for God to tell Ezekiel to preach to those bones. What? You can't be serious. Yeah, preach to the. That's what prophesying is, folks, just in case you don't know that. Preach to those bones, Ezekiel. When you do, they'll live. Oh, boy. I can't stop here. He said, prophesy to them. So he said, I prophesied. And breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet and be an exceeding great army. So I said all that to point out that our hopes may be dead and our soul may be dry. But if we listen to what God is saying, our dream will live again. Amen. And the other thing that we need is a leg to stand on. An ear to hear and a leg to stand on. Amen? You see, the God who gave Job twice as much at the end of his trouble as he started, out, started with before it isn't finished with us yet. Amen? We must read what he's promised and stand on. On His Word. Amen. This is the only thing I know to do is stand on His Word. I don't always feel like I'm on top of things and I've won the battle and I'm all frisky and ready to go. I don't always feel that way, but I do know I can stand on the promise of His Word and I know what His Word says. I know that His Word tells me that He that hath begun a good work in you will accomplish it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That's all I need to know.
Achan. What a name, Achan. I get up some days, Achan. I mean, Achan was stoned to death in the valley of Achor, as you recall, for stealing the spoils after the battle of Jericho. In the story, right? Wrong. Later, God in his mercy said, I will open a door of hope in the valley of Achor. Mm. As the worship team makes their way forward, oftentimes we find ourselves living with the consequences of our poor choices and decisions. It's part of living. We oftentimes find ourselves questioning, what if I'd have made a different, what if I'd have done something different? What if I would have, what if I have, what if I would have, my wife likes to play the what if game from time to time. I don't like that game. What if? What if we'd have done such and such? My friend, you may be living with your consequences, but by God's grace, we can live to see His purpose and our dream fulfilled and accomplished. Amen? I said all of this to you this morning because I believe that God has great things in store for not only you individually, but for this church and this body collectively. If we will take the purpose and the vision and the dream that God has, and we will take it and use it and be what God has called us to be. Here's our mission statement in its most simplistic form. Jesus shared it. He used it. He went to the book of Isaiah that day. Jesus did. He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's what we're here, that's what we're doing, folks. I'm telling you, there's liberty. Uh, most of our songs this morning was, was so framed around that very idea. Free. Free from the guilt of the past. Free from the fear of tomorrow. Proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Friend, we live in a world of oppressed people. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, Jesus closed the book. He handed it back to the attendant. He sat down. And He said to them, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. We are the body of Christ. And that is our mission statement for today. That's what we're all about. How many of you today want to fulfill your purpose in Jesus Christ? Would you stand with us this morning?